primary function is to have vision, to be looking at what the new disruptors are and to preparing the culture and the leaders in the company to embrace that disruption, to get there before anybody else, to get the jump on opportunity before anyone else. That is the CEO's function. Do you want to learn effective ways to build relationships, generate sales, and grow your business from successful entrepreneurs, startups, and CEOs without listening to a long, long, long interview? If so, you've come to the right place. Gresham Harkness values your time and is ready to share with you precisely the information you're in search of. This is the I Am CEO Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO podcast, and I appreciate you listening to this episode. If you've been listening this year, you know that we hit 1600 episodes at the beginning of this year, and we're doing something a little bit different where we're repurposing our favorite episodes around certain categories, topics, or as I like to call them, business pillars that we think are going to be extremely impactful for CEOs, entrepreneurs, and business owners or what I like to call CB Nation architects who are looking to level up their organizations. This month, we are focused on innovation, disruption, women entrepreneurship, DEI, gig economy, remote economy, even the cannabis industry. Think about these industries and these disruptive technologies that really sometimes aren't as disruptive, but there's people that are just paying attention to what the market needs and they're providing that. So really think about the things that are quote unquote outside of the norm, but really help entrepreneurship to grow and fully develop. I think it's an extremely exciting time when you're talking about any type of innovation or disruption, because I think that there's so many opportunities and needs that aren't felt that are starting to be filled by different groups, different organizations, or even different industries. So what I want you to do is sit back and enjoy this special episode of the I Am CEO podcast. Hello, hello, hello. This is Gresh from the I Am CEO podcast. I have a very special guest on the show today. I have Rebecca Costa of RebeccaCosta.com. Rebecca, super excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, super excited about all the awesome things that you're doing. And before we jumped into the interview, I want to read a little bit more about Rebecca so you can hear about some of those awesome things. And Rebecca DeCosta is an American sociologist and futurist. She is the preeminent global expert on the subject of fast adaptation and the recipient of the prestigious Edward O. Wilson Biodiversity Technology Award. Her career spans four decades of working with founders, executives, and venture capitalists in Silicon Valley. And Rebecca's first book, The Watchman's Rattle, a radical New Theory of Collapse was an international bestseller. Her follow-on book titled On the Verge was introduced in 2017 to critical acclaim, shooting to the top of the number the Amazon number one new business releases. Casa presently hosts the, the popular news podcast, The Casa Report, along with 12 world-renowned subject matter experts, and her work has been featured in the New York Times, Washington Post, USA Today, SF Chronicle, The Guardian, and other leading publications. Rebecca, super excited to hear about all the work that you're doing, and even more excited to have you on the show. Are you ready to speak to the IMCO community? I am, indeed. That When I listen to all those credentials, it makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> no, we just say a little season and experience and, and a definitely an expert in all the uh, things that you've been able to accomplish. So I guess uh, what I wanted to do, could I kind of kick everything off, was rewind the clock a little bit, hear a little bit more on how you got started, what I like to call your CEO story. I, I was fortunate right after college to land in what later became Silicon Valley. This was the early 80s. And uh, it was just a wonderful time to be a young person when everything was just new and 
venture capital was flowing in nobody's business and everybody had an idea that seemed to be fundable. And it was just, uh, I, I didn't have an appreciation then for how supportive the infrastructure was as it was building out for entrepreneurs and for creative thinkers. And I had a science background and pretty much if you could spell your last name, they were hiring uh, because uh, nobody had the required uh, prerequisite experience because everything was new. So how could you have, you know, one had 50 years experience in the semiconductor industry. So you didn't have to have a lot of qualifications. What you had to have was the ability to adapt quickly, learn, you, you wanted to be a bright person in a very, very dynamic environment, and you needed to be able to respond very fast. So I was very lucky to ride the wave of any number of technologies and eventually to form my own company. And what I realized is that I have a great passion for what's next. I have a great passion for what the next disruptor is. It's in my DNA. I'm curious about what the next thing is. And I'm always fascinated that people are just, even CEOs, and CEOs in particular, I feel this is a crime, get really stuck in the minutia. They're looking at quarterly profits. They're looking at operational problems that are going to hang them up. They're really stuck in the minutia. And I'm, I, I think that, and this is probably going to get a little bit ahead in your program, and we'll talk about this, but I think that the CEOs, primary function is to have vision, is to have vision, to, to be looking at what the new disruptors are and to preparing the culture and the leaders in the company to embrace that disruption, to get there before anybody else, to head off danger and to get the jump on opportunity before anyone else. That is the CEO's function. And we've reduced it in many cases to profitability. And I think that because of that, our whole economy is suffering, that we are not a future-oriented business community. And, uh, and, and, and there's a, a bit of a disconnect between futurists like myself. That's the label that was put on me. You're a futurist. Now, I want to make it clear, that doesn't mean I talk to dead people or read tarot cards or anything. <laughs> I, I, I'm not that kind of futurist. I'm a data analyst. I look at analytical data for what is the most likely next trend. And then I work with corporations to help them get ready for that, right? Get there first. And I'm always shocked. I, I go into the C-suite. I go into the board of directors level of, of multinational corporations, and they have no idea what's about to hit them. They look at me like I'm speaking a foreign language. I, I remember two years ago, three years ago, talking about NFTs. And, and N NFTs are not friendly. <laughs> Let's face it, non-fungible tokens, that already, it sounds like English. It's not like a, an actual visual pops up in your head of what a non-fungible token is. And so automatically, even the words and people are saying, why do we need to care about that? Why? And 10 years before that, it was blockchain technology. Why do we need to care about that? So these things, by the time the leadership hears about them, nine times out of 10, it's too late. You should have been on top of this a decade ago. 
right? And then that just throws the whole organization into a pressure cooker. And, and I'm against that. I, I think that is the fault of the CEO if you are ever playing catch up then the CEO didn't understand what their primary function is. So there's a chunk of data that would be really valuable. Why is it valuable? For two reasons. The negative reason is it's going to slam you up the side of the head. Somebody's going to fund it, buy it, license it, and it's coming, right? Number two, you could make an investment or buy that patent or secure it at the lowest possible price when it's provisional. People who are filing provisional patents generally need funding. What a wonderful opportunity to get in there early. So the second chunk of data, what is your program for checking on major research projects in universities? When I saw that, I said, how are you getting your information about the future? Yeah. Absolutely. And, and I love how you said institutionalizing that aspect. And, and so I know this is some of the, the work that you do with clients. And this might also, you know, touch on what I like to call your secret sauce and what sets you apart and makes you unique. Do you think that organizations that I guess institutionalize you, sometimes you hear there's organizations like Google, you hear they have a certain amount of time that they spend on creativity. Do you think that's the way um, you work? And obviously that is needed in organizations as a whole. Yes, I, I think you have to institutionalize innovation. The same way you institutionalize efficiency in your corporation and profitability, you have to have people, budget, processes assigned, right, that are identifiable, that everyone in the company knows. You know who to go to in HR if you uh, didn't get your paycheck. In that same way, you've got to institutionalize innovation. And you mentioned what my company does. My company's called the Costa Group. That's what we do. We go into corporations and we help them to institutionalize innovation. And sometimes it starts out with very simple things. Like there's an innovation trade show inside the company one day a, a year. And all the board and the C-suite, the CEO, has to be present. And on that day, we go curate university developments that are relevant to them. We go curate people that have patents that are relevant to them. And they come into the corporation and actually show them what they have. So that it's not theoretical. You can touch and feel the innovation, that it's real. And then we ask them, do you want to put money into it? Do you want to license the technology? Do you want to partner with this company? And then each of those demonstrators sit down with the board and the top management, and they make a decision in that room. We're going to move forward. It's premature. It's not our business line. We're not going to move forward. We think that this is a good opportunity for us to fund you, to license, get an exclusive license, whatever, partnership, whatever it is but they make a decision in that room. And then it flows downward. That kind of progressive action and support to assign people at lower levels to move forward with these innovators, it's got to come from the top down. It never works. Innovation never works when it's from the bottom up. It never works. You lose those people. 
No, that's extremely powerful. So I wanted to switch gears a little bit and I want to ask you for what I call a CEO hack. So this could be like an app, something from your books or or a habit that you have, but what's something that makes you more effective and efficient? And I didn't get deep enough. I was just looking, I only had time for the actual result. And that unfortunately caused me to, to turn my attention to what wasn't working. I asked those questions of things that weren't working and weren't producing. So if we missed a sales goal, I go, all right, why did we miss the sales goal? What are we gonna do? So I, I became very negatively focused as opposed to focusing in on what did the people that exceeded their goals, right? Or who brought innovation into the company or who changed the way we did things in the past, what did they do differently? And how do I get more of my company to behave like them? So unfortunately, I was was like a lot of CEOs. I'm focusing in on what's not working, (laughs) trying to fix it. And I, I, I think that didn't make me a good CEO. Yeah. Also, I I think this is just a, a, it probably doesn't fall under a hack, but I think it's, it it is very important. And that is as, as animated as I am today, right? I'm an introvert. Mm. So when I'm working on something in my office and somebody comes in and they have a pants on fire emergency, I I feel a little resentful (laughs) because I want to get my work done. That's how introverts are. So I think you have to be true to your own style. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And that actually is like segue right to the question that I was going to ask, which is around the CEO nugget, which is essentially like something you might tell your younger business self or advice you would give to your best client. And I almost wonder if that's it, because the, the word that you said, it obviously you said you were introvert. So this is the way that you could show up to show your team. Yes, I, I had a vice president of finance one day tell me people think you don't like them. And, and, and I, I said, why would they think that if I don't like someone, it's not as though I, I wouldn't tell, say, hey, I have a problem right. with you. I, I, have, right. I have command of the English language. I would try to resolve my differences with them. Do I seem like a person who would dodge that? And they, and they said, no, but we noticed that when there's a company party, you only stay for five minutes and leave. You don't have cocktails with us. You don't hang with us. We have these picnics and you come to the picnic and then you leave. It's you don't like us. And I said, I'm just not comfortable in really large groups. And they said, but you make speeches to five and 10,000 people in a room. And I said, that's different. I'm on a stage. I know what I'm going to talk about. And then I go back to my hotel room and order room service, have a bath and catch my flight home. <laughs> so it's not important. It's not just important to be true to yourself. It's important to communicate that. One thing I will say is that all CEOs need to be honest about their focus on the future and whether they have institutionalized innovation and whether they have put people, actual people and resources toward their company's future. Or are they focused on efficiency? That makes so much sense. Awesome. I truly appreciate that definition. I obviously appreciate your time even more. What I want to do now is pass you the mic, so to speak, just to see if there's anything additional that you can let our readers and listeners know. And of course, how best people could get a hold of you, listen to your show, get copies of your book and find out about all the awesome things you and your team are working on. They can reach me at my name, RebeccaCosta.com. There's a lot of videos and articles and interviews that I've done on that page. And Also, there's a link to our podcast, which will 
which is dedicated completely toward disruptors, future disruptors. So any CEOs listening right now, the podcast is a must. Whether it's space flight or nutrition, or we're talking about the broadcast world, whatever it is, we're on top of what's going on in the future. Yeah, I absolutely appreciate that. And of course, to make it even easier, we'll have the links and information um, in the show notes so that everybody can subscribe, follow up with you, and and of course, contact you uh, to make sure they're institutionalized, that innovation within their organizations. Truly appreciate that. Rebecca, of course, appreciate your time again even more, and I hope you have a phenomenal rest of the day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the I Am CEO podcast powered by CB Nation and Blue 16 Media. Tune in next time and visit us at imceo.co. IMCEO is not just a phrase, it's a community. Check out the latest and greatest apps, books, and habits to level up your business at ceohacks.co. This has been the IMCEO Podcast with Gresham Harkless Jr. Thank you for listening.